Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. And we're back. The Pilot Boys are in the building. Episode 83. Man, these numbers keep going up. Hopefully our age is going backwards as opposed to forwards as quickly as well. <laughs> yeah. Numbers go up, bank account goes up, age goes down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Getting so good. you're about to leave Ohio. We were just talking about that. Yeah, man. I, I think we all all of us from Ohio kind of had this feeling. I, I'm blessed that I didn't think I'd ever come back after I left college, um, but to come back, spend a few years here um, has been great. Uh, the city has definitely a much bigger and better energy than when I was here in college in terms of a entrepreneurial community, but you know, all good things must come to an end. Yeah, man. And I think like growth is one of those things where you know, you get hit with such waves of nostalgia whenever you leave somewhere you've lived for a long time. Yeah. It's like you're almost like intellectually like I'm happy to leave. But at the same time, your body's like, no, you're going to die. This is everything. You know, you know, we're creatures, you know what they always say in everything that we do. What do we say? You have to things you need to create habits. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and consistency. And so when that's disrupted, you're naturally going to go through a process of like uncertainty. Even if you're confident that you made the right decision, it's like you're going from consistency and comfort to kind of uncertainty, right? And that's why I've always been a proponent of moving every couple of years because I like that putting myself in a new position of discomfort because it it's, I think in most places it's fairly easy to get complacent once you get used to it and you have a specific skill set you can thrive and succeed anywhere put your take yourself outside of your comfort zone i'm sure that's why you left atlanta and went to went to la 100 percent, man and you know I, I love it in la but it'll never be my only place that i live you know I, I definitely buy into that as well it's like if you're not finding those moments and it's like it's not it's not every year it's not every couple of years yeah. but there's moments in life where you feel the page turn and that's when it's time yep yep yeah and you and you have to know and you have to follow your 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 sense and your intuition um because i've i've found that any situation where i felt that need and i extended or i stayed longer than i than that feeling um it usually was not a productive phase of my life yeah you know, one of the big challenges too is um, it's something I've noticed as I've gotten older, but it's like the difference in lifestyle in each place. Even in the US, it can be very drastic, but it's yeah. like the food you have access to when you go out to eat, right? Like what's on the menu? What do the people around you order? Like what is the culture like? Do people drink a lot? Like do people party a lot? Like the small changes of each, you know, city or ecosystem that you'll live in really do provide new challenges for how you have to structure your life to still maintain your health and and happiness as an individual yeah yeah and there are different you're completely right there are different challenges in different markets like throughout the midwest um it is a culture that is still 
tied in blue collar roots and and old school values right you do not see many people um over 25 <laughs> who are single and not married and in the suburbs right that is kind of like you know rinse recycle repeat here and it's so ingrained in the culture that if if you're disruptive to that um it creates challenges but it also creates opportunities it's all about kind of how you look at it and i think you know we'll get we'll get further into this this thought process and um in the great deep dive you created for this week too i think <laughs> yeah i think so too um so let's talk about kwame brown there's been a lot of noise about this can you give us the the quick context on this storyline yeah so kwame brown is a retired nba player um he was the first um player drafted directly out of high school number one in the nba and he was drafted to the washington wizards with michael jordan and everybody knows his personality type um <laughs> and so he didn't necessarily live up to the expectations but he played a 12-year nba career um but throughout his career and after his career these these loud mouths like stephen a smith and some of these guys now the guys on all the all the smoke podcast which you know is kind of a outspoken podcast people continue to kind of take shots at kwame brown like he's a bust and kwame's never responded never kind of addressed it and you know he's he wasn't like on twitter every time somebody said something to him defending himself right he had gone about his life but i think this past week on all the smoke the conversation came up again with gilbert arenas matt barnes and stephen a jackson basically talking spending 15 to 20 minutes talking about kwame brown and how he was a bust i think something finally triggered in kwame and this guy came out firing guns a blazing and the thing is people really initially thought it was an emotional reaction but if you listen to what he's saying everything from my perspective that he said about every individual he's called out is valid you do have a right to defend yourself and the fact that he waited and sat back and didn't defend himself for so long says a lot more about his character too and then when you dive deep into it he really really exposed some sad truths about america it's like first of all just because i didn't become a superstar i played 12 seasons in the nba do you and when you understand how difficult it is to make it in the nba and how many guys who are really really good spend their years in europe the cba the g league for a guy to have a 12-year career regardless of whether he reached his ceiling or not you can't call him a bust you know yeah yeah and then the second the second part of it he was saying is that like you also aren't factoring in other things he was like i was an honor roll student in high school I'm successful after my career, you know, I've never been any in any trouble, anything like that. I've I've set I'm a good role model for my community. So if you if I'm a bust, then I want to see what a success is, you know? Mm. Um and then, you know, it just turned into this back and forth. And I just really really admire him because I think he's he's addressing a lot of the underlying issues that I think have made me disheartened um with sports media culture specifically like all these debate shows the culture really is a confrontational you know stir the pot you know two guys arguing back and forth calling each other names stephen a smith skip bayless is like 
And and one of the things that Kwame said is like, it would be nice to go back to a time. He's like, I don't mind if someone thinks I'm a bust. Talk to me about that. Let me present my case. Don't just talk, talk about me. You know what I mean? And then Charlemagne, the God from the Breakfast Club, who is an equity holder in the All the Smoke podcast, came out taking really personal shots and bringing out like stuff about Kwame's family. And and the thing that I respect about Kwame is he's not backing down from any of these guys. And I think it's 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 due time for this because I think most people who really enjoy sports for sports are really getting sick of this culture, you know, and, yeah. I, and I'm glad that Kwame's taking a stand and creating a platform for that and, and, and exposing a lot of things um, that, that are troublesome in this, in this sports media industry. Yeah, that's a great point, man. I mean, it's a amazing saga just to, just to hear about. And I think it, to your point, it exposes the fact that we are thriving on a culture of essentially, you know, building people up and then tearing them down when they don't achieve an expectation that is pretty arbitrary, honestly, that we're setting as a society for them because we want to be entertained and we want, we want people to not hit our expectations because it's more entertaining to do that than for them to hit our expectations and for us to be grateful. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's interesting because you see that in every, every single platform. Like that's the reason I left Twitter is because I just, just didn't, really care to see so many people talking trash about every single news headline or every single subject that comes out and it's like sports media is one part of it but media in general is like this like everybody wants to look for the negative everybody wants to look for things that are going wrong and there's a valuable role in media in terms of uncovering say things that are hidden that are going wrong that are that need to be exposed but when you're using it using a platform to tear people down or building credibility just by being a dick. It's, it's not cool anymore. Yeah. It, it hasn't been cool, especially when we talk about the, the, that mental health has been taken for granted in our country for so long. You know, I feel like a lot of people, and this is in culture, everyone is willing to, to play a role if at a certain cost, right? Yeah. And they know what they're doing. That's what's troubling about this is these are these aren't just genuine personalities. They're like created as as acting roles almost. You are going to be the instigator. You are going to be this. Like it's all cultivated and crafted, and no one is being their authentic selves anymore. You know, and that's sad to see. And then you look at the credible journalists who don't take that. And you see the results. They're not the ones that get the most attention. They're not the ones that make the most money. They're not the ones that get the best stories. And it's it's just it's just unfortunate. And I feel like I really like it when someone who has the ability to emphatically, you know, without without holding any punches, emphatically and very logically explain what the issues are. You know, and one of the issues that he had with Stephen A. and 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 Matt Barnes and and Stephen Jackson is like, you guys know what you're doing. You know what you're doing, you know, and you're tearing. They say, don't tear another. Don't let's not tear each other down. But that's what you're making your living off of is tearing another member of your fraternity down. And you, Stephen A. Smith, you need to have a lot more respect for any players who've ever played in the NBA because you never have. 
You know, yeah. I remember a few years ago when the Cavs traded Andrew Wiggins, he said he wouldn't trade Andrew Wiggins for a box of cereal. Like, who the fuck are you, dude? Like, you couldn't <laughs> even cut it in college basketball. Like, talk about the stats, talk about the analysis, but stop taking these personal pot shots at players just because you know it's going to move the needle. You know, it's crazy too because these are kids, right? Andrew yep. Wiggins was 19 when that was set on national TV. Yeah. That's like, it's wild that that's a job. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's unbelievable. And it's wild that it's a job. And it's wild that it, it it's a job that is so successful and pays so many so well. And so many people click in. That's really like, if we, if we want to study what the issue with our country is, it's that. No one is being educated. Everyone is being basically manipulated. You know, mm -hmm. that's 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 the reality. And everyone's kind of fitting into like an ecosystem where where individual identities are dying. Yeah. And media has shifted from people who you know wanted to share truth that was not being shared to people who are trolls professionally. Yep. yep. You know, yep. pretty so wild. It's pretty wild, but it's always fun to see someone. I, I, I know you haven't tapped in yet, but I'm going to send you a few clips. This guy, this guy is on fire, man. I love him. No, I'm going to have him on the show. I'm <laughs> stoked. I'm going to dig down this rabbit hole for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, in other basketball news, the playoffs have started. That's been an exciting start, but surprising start to see a lot of um, a lot of teams losing that I didn't think we're going to lose. Yeah, man. Like I didn't really get a chance. Couple couple storylines. I didn't really get a chance to watch Phoenix play too much this season. Me either. Uh, but I watched game one and man, those guys are are a very, very, very good team. Yeah. Who really want to win and beat the Lakers. Yeah. You know? Um and and I think I'm happy for Chris Paul because I feel like he's finally found a team that embraces his like tough guy identity. Yeah. Um, and, and they respond to it versus recoil from it. Like he's had issues in past like stops. At the Clippers. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So I think I, I, I'm excited for that. Um, and, and I think there are a lot of good young teams, you know, we saw Dame Lillard be Dame Lillard and, you know, we, I don't know what the Clippers need to do with Paul George, but I think he needs to stop just talking about what he's going to do in the playoffs before they start. Because he's not performing, you know, again. <laughs> but, I mean, the Clippers in general, man, like if you were to ask me like which team I didn't think was going to make it to the, the Western Conference Finals, like Clippers, I, I'm very sure are not. Yeah, it's just it's just like you can't be embrace the role of of being a superhero if yeah. you can't live. Just 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 shut up and dribble. You know, and I, I want to. Not, not That's funny <laughs> that you say that. I use that one right there. Yeah. But, you know, I, I want. I want these guys to do well, right? But it's yeah. like you when you get to the playoffs, it's a game of heart. It's not it's yeah. not skills anymore, not solely skills. And the Clippers lack like a defining leader on yeah. their team. Yeah, they do. You know, I was hoping that they would have figured out a way to bring Chris Paul there, you know, but the issue really is that, you know, Kawhi is not he's just the guy that's gonna get it done for you on the court and lead by example. Um and, and and we need more. He needs more from 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 Paul George as the other two hundred million dollar player on the team. Yeah, that plus I mean leadership, dude, is not it's it's lead by example, yes, right, with Kawhi and yeah. Paul George and guys like that, but a real leader looks different. Like LeBron, Steph Curry, 
Like that's that's what real leadership looks like. It's when yep. they step on the court and everybody else is better. And when they're not on the court, everyone else is better just because they spent time with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand wanting to come home, but I think when, when Kawhi looks back at his career and, and the situation that he had in Toronto from a basketball standpoint, I think he's probably going to say, hey, the reward was I got to go home, but from a basketball perspective, I probably made a mistake. They did have an opportunity to run that back. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll be an interesting, interesting uh, first series to watch. Definitely full of its twists. Um, I need to shout out this anime that I've been watching, Kuroku Basketball on Netflix. It's a basketball anime. Oh, my God. It is so good. It's It's one of those comical ones. And I'm finding myself. Are you learning preferring... Japanese? No, no, I watch in English. <laughs> but I like, honestly, bro, like the playoffs were on and I chose to watch this anime instead. So what does that say about the entertainment value of the NBA these days? Like, I like this is the best players in the world playing their hearts out. And I can't stay freaking focused for a whole game. There's too many odds. There's too many breaks. It drags forever. Yeah. And then, you know, you got LeBron taking 10 minute, 10 minute additional breaks, faking injuries. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing. I mean, it's like I went and saw a couple of soccer games the last few weeks. 90 minutes. Nice. Done. Yeah. Stayed focused. Watched every play. Basketball is turning into such a polluted product. It's so filled with ads and sponsors. It's like, I I just don't feel as bullish as I used to for NBA basketball. I really and, do feel it's it's at its peak. You know what's sad about it too is that in terms of talent, there are players on every single one of these teams that I enjoy watching, right? Yeah. Like, um, and and I've tuned in, I tune in during the playoffs, but like you said, it's like the the product itself um, is is a difficult one to follow for two and two and a half hours. It's really I mean, like four lot, hours yeah, with these I, games. A lot of people, you know, and then if the games are on on ESPN versus TNT, it's like with TNT, you're actually looking forward to the analysis and halftime show, and it, with yeah. ESPN, you're like, okay, time to take a break and get something to eat. You know, you at yeah. least get that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even on the ad side, the ads are the exact same every single commercial break. Yeah, there's like, are. there's they nothing are. that they're doing that keeps it interesting. And oh. like, I would contrast that with college football, which is a sport equally broken up, but somehow it manages to captivate me for four hours. One thing I will say, though, is I caught the Knicks Hawks game. Was that and awesome? That gave me that gave me throwback vibes, man. Yeah. Like for real, Madison Square Garden was filled. The energy was was electric. You know, you had you know Spike on the sidelines doing his crazy stuff. It just felt like, and then Trey, um, Trey, Trey Young, is, yeah, is just a, a stone cold killer, man. Yeah, he's a baller. The way the way he closed that game and his attitude also brings that back, like. When I play, I'm a I'm a fairly laid back guy, but when I play basketball, a different side of me comes out. I talk shit. I'm competitive. That's the brand of basketball that I like. I don't I don't like guys just going up and down the court, crossing each other over, and then shooting. You know, it's it's. I like the personalities. Yeah, and, me too. And that's 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 what we saw in that that series. And hopefully, the rest of the league figures figures out how to catch up. Yeah, although this year, maybe the year, we see one of these this like generation of stars that 
I would say it's it's my generation of stars that I grew up watching, like the LeBron, oh, that whole era. It might be the year that the new generation beats them. Yeah, man. I really, really, really like this new generation of basketball players. And I yeah, they surprised. are so good. And their attitudes, they want to build winners where they're at. Yeah. They're not just getting drafted somewhere and saying, I can't wait till my free agency so I can move to another team and join my friends. It's like they all believe, you know, you look at Devin Booker in Phoenix, you look at Giannis in Milwaukee, you look at Luca in Dallas, you look at Trey Young in Atlanta, and you look, and I can keep going and going and going with these elite stars on these teams, John Morant in Memphis. You know, it's 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 nice to see that. And I think in 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 the future, if we just can figure out how to focus on the product and the game, we've got some of the best basketball players we've ever seen in the league at one time right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's a pretty impressive set of talent and the personalities are all really, really good good people. Yeah. It's yeah. nice to see. It's nice. Yeah. Um in other news here in LA, uh, I saw this um this happened outside Staples. Drake won uh, artist of the decade from Billboard. That's crazy, bro. Yeah, man. If We've been at, saying it though. I mean, 145 um, Billboard singles. 100. He's got more than Michael Jackson. You know. Um, I just think that Drake has a pulse. The the difference between him and a lot of artists is he keeps a pulse on everything. He he knows where culture is moving. He knows what the trends are. He knows what consumers are looking to listen to. And he delivers. Like he works harder. Like the truth is he's more talented and he works harder. Yeah. So when you combine those two things, that's what Michael Jackson had. That's what all the greats had is a complete dedication. And then he said it in his speech. There's always an insecurity that drives us all like people who want to be great. Like no matter what accolades we get, it's the idea of I can do better. Right. And I'm not satisfied. I don't think I'm where I'm at should be. And if you channel that properly, sometimes that's channeled incorrectly and it can lead down a very negative path of depression and unhappiness. Oh, yeah. But if you channel that correctly, it can take you further and farther up the mountaintop. And that's what it's done for Drake, um, yeah. I believe. And you saw he rented out uh, the sofa and set up a dinner yeah. table on the 50 yard line. He always does stuff like that too. You yeah. know, that, that he celebrates his wins, but he always does things. And they say that he rented it out. I'm sure he just called Cronky and was like, yeah, this is a yeah, good media that, opportunity. There's no dollars no. that were traded. <laughs> no, none. no, no whatsoever. Not if Drake wants to have dinner in your stadium, Drake can have dinner. Then the type of media impressions that creates for yeah. you. And yeah. every star Especially was in a building. new arena. And, and every star was in that building, you know, nuts. And that's, that's what LA to, to give LA credit. That's what I, I love about that culture in New York is that, they see opportunities to promote themselves and they take advantage of it. It's, it's moment creation. They yeah. create these, these, these moments that like are iconic in culture. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. It's pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. It's cool. It's very cool. As long as you don't get caught up in, in the social hierarchy game out there, you can, you can meet some real successful and good people that can help you get, get, 
get places. Yeah. Um, you know, we got a couple political headlines here. I'm going to skip them for now and jump into, you know, one of the <laughs> one of the funny ones this week. Um, the clip of Julio talking, uh, I guess, did he know he was on air when he said that's this? what I don't know. And that goes back to our earlier conversation about these debate shows. Like if if that is a very weird thing to do unless he text him and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, that's really compromising. Like. 10, 15 years ago, a journalist does that. He's toast. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just, just for context, Julio said on a talk show that he wanted to get out of Atlanta yeah. while he's in a contract with Atlanta heading into a season this fall. Yeah. And he said he can't win in Dallas either. So he knows he knows <laughs> that you can't win in Dallas. <laughs> no, you can't. Not at all. And was, I mean, I support this for him, man. Like Julio is one of the most talented guys in the NFL. And has just been in a terrible situation. He's with the not Falcons. getting any. He's not getting any younger. No. You know? Send him. He said he just wants to be with the competitor. He's given his. Hey, time send him to Cleveland. Am I right? Yeah. Send him to Cleveland. Send him to New England. Send him to Tampa. Send him to Bay. Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> send him anywhere. Send him Seattle. Anywhere but with the Falcons, right? So, you know, I, I think it's a it's due time for for both for both of those parties to kind of go their separate ways yeah seriously it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he ends up this will undoubtedly spark trade conversations yeah i'm hoping that they all work it out and and they they send him where he wants to go and they get they get the cap relief and what they need as well so and i'm sure they will because julio's the type of guy that you know i i just don't think when someone plays for you for like what 11 years now yeah and he's never come out and said stuff about them when he's been upset. No, with he's that been contract. super good. Yeah, he's been great for that community. So the way this slipped out, you know, maybe it was on purpose, but it looks like it was on accident. Yeah, it looks like it was, at least from his side. And, you yeah. know, I'm sure Shannon's going to say, I didn't know the cameras were rolling, brother. My bad. But I, I just, when, when you're talking about these undisputed, when you're sitting at the desk, yeah, should tell somebody. Yeah. When they're on the phone with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's all going on. Uh, Phil Mickelson, oldest player to win a major. Happy dude. for him, man. Happy yeah, he's for He's unbelievable, dude. He's, he's every person. I have not met him personally, but every single person that I know that's interacted with Phil has had a good story and said he's a good guy. Yeah. And it's good to see the good guys win. He uh, signed one of my hats when I was a kid at the Memorial Tournament in Dublin. Oh, he did? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and we got a blood moon coming up. I know, man. We got to get up early tomorrow morning, though. The super flower it. blood moon. So when you're listening to this, it was actually yesterday. So maybe maybe a useless headline for us to talk about for you. Yeah, but we like talking about these things. So <laughs> we just talk. Any opportunity we get before or after, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> man, so... You know, that's that's the haps. Um, our deep dive topic today is is a different one. It's about happiness. And it's on this concept that happiness comes from your reactions and not your actions. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we will be back to dig into that deep dive topic. Show the Pilot Boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys podcast. Hey, guys, this is Partha. You might know me as a pilot boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. Lasso is a high-performance lifestyle brand that makes the Lasso Sock 2.0. 
the most functional sock ever to help you stay moving on any adventure you choose. Lasso uses patented compression technology with scientifically proven ankle stability to support key ligaments and tendons as well as moisture wicking materials and built-in strike padding. So every single step is stable, soft, and cool. Lasso socks are also used to treat foot and ankle conditions like plantar fasciitis, Achilles pain, ankle soreness, circulation issues, and more. Check them out at lassogear.com or at lassogear on social media. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. And we are back. It's episode 83. We are on the deep dive, part two. Let's get it, V. Let's get into it, man. Came up, you know, I was I, I was like, it's your turn to come up with one part of this, so you're going to have to set the table here for us. And uh, Yeah, for all of the listeners, you know, I do a very minimal amount of work for this podcast. V carries the the burden, so when he asks me to do something from time to time, I definitely will, will do it. <laughs> <laughs> so today's topic um, comes at an interesting week for me personally, because it was a week that was... It's Tuesday. It's already been a really tough week. And tough not because of anything arbitrary or like measurable, I would say, but tough from a reaction standpoint. And it, mm-hmm. it got me thinking a lot about, you know, what makes me happy and good at my job. And it's like having balance, doing the things that I love to do every day, staying active, eating healthy, sleeping enough, meditating, like all the habits that I build are what keep me happy, right? Yeah. But the thing that threatens that happiness is when something happens in my life that is counter to what I hope for, or what I desire, that dissatisfaction can make me unhappy. And I think yeah. this is a very universal thing. It's how we react to outside situations. If you have a you know tough event in your family, if you have an unfortunate event with you know one of your belongings or if like you have trouble in what let's say whether you have trouble in a business or like you have i don't know there's like a million things that can happen on any given day that can add friction to your life but i learned this week waking up monday and getting some news of a problem that i had to solve within our business i didn't even stop smiling and i didn't really flinch and I was like, cool. And I just very casually worked through the day and solved, solved like my part of the problem I wanted to solve by the end of the night. And, you know, I woke up today and kind of got back at it. And it's like what I what I noticed from it is that these problems, I mean, obviously maturity helps, but like the reaction that I had to this problem was far more related to my ability to understand that this didn't affect me, right? Like whatever happens around me doesn't affect me. And the only thing that affects me is how I react to the thing that happens around me because that's the internal feeling that then, you know, I have to get over. It's not caused by the outside thing. It's caused by my reaction to the outside thing. So, you know, long story short, I bring this up to just say that what I've learned in recent time is that nothing that I do is actually going to create happiness. It will only help me to manage 
my happiness from like an action standpoint. But when things come inbound, if my reaction is gratitude, if my reaction is a positive emotion, then I grow my happiness. So like when I hit controversy or some sort of like roadblock, if I am grateful for the opportunity to learn something new, I'm in a great mood. I solve my problems immediately and I'm happy throughout. Whereas what I used to do in the past is I used to get very upset when something went wrong, feel bad for myself, get down. And it would take days for me to get out of the funk. I would get stressed out. You know, I would, I would be like in a much rougher place, you know? And I think this is something everyone goes through. Yeah. I mean, I think you've, you've phrased it well, you, you know, happiness comes from your reactions. And I think the action that you need to take to build yourself up is to learn how to be balanced emotionally. Right. Cause it goes both ways. When you said, you know, you, your happiness, you're sometimes it's, it's also about controlling when something really good happens too. And, and, and not letting that build hubris inside you, True either, that. right? True you that. can't have the one side, which is the negative reaction to bad things happening. And you can't have, you know, an extra reaction when something good happens. It's about creating that balance in, in yourself mentally, where within the context of business, you understand that you have to, the most important and critical thing is to stay balanced emotionally. Because if you're not balanced emotionally, whether it's euphoria or depression, it changes how you process, how you react, and how you either fix the problem or don't take advantage of the success. Right. Uh, and and that's, that's a major key, right? I think that that's what this goes back to. So the question is, how do you create that balance? Because anybody who has run it, has started a business, you know, even has worked for someone else knows that it is a test of your emotional strength, your emotional balance. How do you kind of work toward that um, to kind of be successful and be balanced? Yeah. And one part of the context here is how important is your life? Do you know what I mean? Like, we all take our lives probably more seriously than we ought to. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And we're so in, we're all one in seven billion out here. Yeah. <laughs> when we make the stakes too high, I noticed that this weekend there was uh, something, I can't remember what happened. Something got me just noticing, oh, wow, like I'm I'm a very fortunate person. I, I had a really nice situation growing up compared to somebody I was talking to, I think. I, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but... Um, at the same time, I, I was thinking about how a lot of people that I know feel guilt when they think about their privilege. We've talked about this before, yeah. like use your privilege, right? But the guilt is really just a complex due to expectation. It's us taking on the burden that, well, someone else didn't have what I have, so I have to be extra successful on their behalf. And it's like, yeah. no, you don't. You don't have to do anything other than what you need to do for you right for your role let me say that so like your role in society and who you're meant to be and that is oftentimes a lot less that we're responsible for than we think like i would guess that the majority of people think or at least like take on responsibility for things that they don't need to take responsibility on 
Yeah, and that's 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 in human interactions, that's in business, that's in in life in general. I feel like a, a lot of us feel and I think it happens with with certain personality types, right? People who do want to I think at the end of the day, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are people who like to fix problems, right? Yeah. And and it frustrates us when we encounter a problem and we can't fix it. Whether it's our problem or not, it's almost like it's 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 instincts for us to respond and try to fix the things that are going around because it's like okay I, I don't know if it's a sense of confidence okay we are the people that that know how to deal with this stuff right better than other people right because of the scope of our work um and again i think that is that goes back to what we were just talking about is this this hubris that we all have to check with the ego within ourselves that we have to check. Because I think a lot of times, like what you're saying is like, even like the guilt that you feel in that scenario, like you said, it comes, where is that coming from? Why do you feel it? And a lot of that has to do with conditioning. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and if, the truth is the conditioning is you can't control the circumstances you were born into, but you can control what you do with them. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's really the position people need to to take in life is regardless of my starting position, figure out what I want and then go after it. And in that process, figure out a way to control, figure out myself, my flaws, my ego traits that, I think are helpful, but may be harmful. I know for me, I take on way too much responsibility in my life, right? And I'm working my way out of like, you know, I'm packaging that and then disassociating myself. And as I'm doing that, I'm feeling a lot better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and I think we all have to kind of, kind of figure that out for ourselves. That's, that's the process we have to go through in life. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what did you do to start unpackaging that? One, just, just going through certain situations and relationships in life and really asking myself, why do I feel this much response? One, is it my responsibility? Why do I feel this much responsibility? If the roles were reversed, would someone else feel the same responsibility? And then four, is this healthy or unhealthy for my life? Is it is it making me taking on all these problems? Is it as a result making me kind of kick tires in my own life and preventing myself from progressing? Right. And once that reality really set in and you get over, we come from a culture of obligation, right? Like you're obligated. The parents are obligated to the kids. The kids are obligated. You see households where the grandparents, the parents, and the kids all live together. Yeah. So it is something that I had to get through because that's not the culture I come from, nor the culture that I grew up in to understand that. But if you're within a culture like America, you have to operate by the rules that this culture sets in order to rise and succeed. Not yeah. saying that you completely abandon your culture and your values, but you have to adjust. It's a unique thing that I think first generation Americans go through. Yeah. And, you know, to add to that, it's the people in your surroundings as well. Like one of the big things that 
you're saying, which I, I think everyone can learn from, is spending time by yourself to think through your actions. Yep. One thing that I struggled with when I started doing this, I didn't know which was right and which was wrong. I didn't know if the beliefs I was building for myself would make me succeed or if they were going to fail. And what I've learned as an adult is success comes from the action of trying to build beliefs for yourself and yeah. actually starting to reflect and question on your own. You're absolutely going to make mistakes, yeah. but you're going to make less mistakes working off of your own gut instinct than you will working off of what others tell you you need to do. Exactly. That's that's 100% spot on. And once you get that, like the action part of it, because I think a lot of people stress about taking action, just even taking action, right? Yeah. Um, and they get in their own way. The actions start to flow, you know, and, and things come naturally, you know? And I think you probably can see it on this show. The more and more we interact with each other on the show, the easier it becomes. We don't really even need to prepare. We can just come on and and kind of know how to talk about anything. Yeah. And that's controlling your reaction. Anything that you say I'm confident that up here, I've done the research and then spent the time to be able to come up with a suitable response, right? Yeah. So I'm not fearing the action and I'm not worried about whether my, how my reaction is going to be perceived right. for the most part. Right. And as a result, your effort is spent listening, not thinking about what you're going to say. And because you listen, your response is on point and accurate. But mm -hmm. a lot of people who are concerned about what they think they're going to say miss what was heard, what was actually said, and then they say something irrelevant and it sounds dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I can't believe how many of those conversations I have consistently with people who are even yeah. very bright. Yeah. Because that's that ego part of it, right? It's because you're not listening. You're not having a conversation. Most people aren't having conversations out here. They're yeah. just speaking about, they're just highlighting their opinions and their positions. Yeah. And, you know, it's not very healthy. It's one of the things Kwame Brown actually brought up is you just, people aren't having conversations. That you know? And dude, that's, that's a big thing, man. Like the lack of actual discussion that happens these days. I mean, yeah. it's a different muscle once you start to have real conversations with people. Yeah. Yep. And the thing that, that, that I think we're finding is that instead of like, feeling bad about the fact that this is what we're searching for and we're not finding it. We're focusing on the people who do kind of have that already. And that changes how things move forward. Things become so much complicated matters become so much, so much easier when you're surrounded by people who are flowing the same way that you're flowing. So don't get frustrated at the people when you're having, and you're surrounded by people that don't necessarily flow and they, they create that contention, focus more on finding the people and the surroundings and the environment that flow at your wavelength. Yep. And to add to that, a big part of understanding who you are to even find these communities is spend time by yourself. Yes. So important. Very important. It's Very. so easy to go on your phone. It's so easy to do anything but spend time in your own head. But if you make your head a happy place for yourself, your power is infinite. Yeah. And I think that you you hit the nail on the head. The reason that a lot of people have trouble spending time with themselves is because when you're by yourself, some of the deepest, darkest things that you're pushing back by interactions and stuff come to light. 
and come to the front of your head. It's all about your, like you said, your mood when you're dealing with them, because I actually enjoy processing that stuff now. Like yeah. the emotions, I process it. I, when I'm by myself, it's much easier to do that because yeah. I, if, 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 if I, if I need to scream, I can scream. If I need to cry, I can cry. Like, but you work through it and then you actually analyze like, why am I going through this? Yeah. Why, what is triggering? You realize a lot of it really is your mind just playing tricks on you. Yeah. That's dude. That's exactly it. That's the observation after much uh, self-assessment, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I was creating most of my problems. Yeah. <laughs> Because the it's your the things you have to deal with in life, the things that are gonna go wrong, we're gonna go wrong anyway. Yeah, they were. <laughs> so you can either deal with them with a good attitude or a bad one. Yeah, and if you've been through enough life, it's like if your expectation is for good stuff to happen to you all the time, then you know uh, you might want to go back and and go through go through puberty again and and reassess oh, absolutely. it. <laughs> and there's there's wins. There's lot. There's so much right out there that comes across your plate but it's also like each of those opportunities does teach you a new skill especially when it challenges you in a way you didn't expect so usually things going wrong it just means it's the next part of your life like a lot of people will think oh man like i've been working so hard like shouldn't i have found success like shouldn't it get easier and it's like it's not about easier or harder it's like you want to don't you want to get better you know yeah yeah each moment is a way to get better. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it circles back to the overall understanding. I think we have a very poor understanding and a poor system to educate people on what it takes to be happy. That's not what any of our, anything in any of our society seems to be driven by, except for maybe New, New Zealand or a place <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Or it's Norway. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not, we're not, we're, we have a lot of a poor understanding of happiness, and yeah. I don't think there's been enough research or enough time spent on that aspect of it when you're going through your academic process or your maturation process of how do we create happy people? Maybe it's beneficial not to have everyone be happy. I don't know, but it just doesn't seem like that's a priority culturally for us. I was reading um, this book on the origins of the, the Hindu religion, Hinduism. Yep. And um, they talked about an era of time from, I think, 8,000 to 4,000 BC, where everybody lived purely for what they call dharmic, which is defined as like sustainable mm -hmm. purposes. Yes. So everything was aligned toward happiness, being your truest self, connecting with the universe. That was the way of life. And at some point, population growth created scarcity of resources now we're we're venturing into my hypothesis land this yep. storyline i'm telling you is right the cause is one that i've i've guessed which is scarcity of resources but it's it's what makes sense to me but for whatever reason people stopped living that way as documented in this book yeah and they started focusing on trades the british the british had something to do with that too oh i'm talking thousands of years <laughs> know, before yeah and they they accelerated it quite a bit yeah. But, yeah but people started focusing on trades yeah and they stopped focusing on the spiritual connection the the things that drive happiness and yes i think when you have abundance of resources 
like you may have had when the human population was sub 1 billion people. Yet, I think that it's very easy to be spiritually connected when you don't run into people outside of your tribe a lot. And all you have to do is sit around, look at the stars and, you know, eat fruits off of trees that grow around you and eat nuts. You know, that's a different living than in today's day and era. So there's a lot more that it takes to achieve enough. Yeah, I guess success financially to give yourself the spiritual enlightenment, but it's almost like, it's backward in that if you can find the spiritual enlightenment first and like the ability to drive your own happiness, the finance just finds you. Yeah, it, it, it does. And the question I'd have, and I agree with you, I think scarcity that at least the belief that there's scarcity, right. Has been yeah. so ingrained for thousands of years. I'm not sure if, if the scarcity thing is actually real. Um, I feel like, we have enough beautiful natural resources throughout this world for everyone to have three square meals a day and a, a roof over their heads of some, some sort. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of this belief that resources are scarce and then the exploitation of that belief um, to, to kind of create, and you see it in society, right? It's like you're seeing the, the distance grow between wealthy and poor. Right. And there's no middle ground anymore that there's not really that middle. Either you're wealthy or you're poor. Yeah. And, and that tells you that it's a combination of scarcity and a combination of making people believe there's scarcity and people's reactions to that belief that there is scarcity in hoarding and hoarding more and more and more and creating a more disjointed and divided society. Yeah. This is why I like a lot of the, you know, anyone who challenges reality right like mm -hmm. obviously i think flat earth is a little far right but yeah. there's a questioning that's happening today of what is real and what isn't that i think is a really good habit to pick up in terms yeah. of what you are taught is real about the world versus what you've actually seen in your life is real about the world and oftentimes a lot of what we were taught growing up was very influenced by a desired outcome that whoever put the curriculum together wanted us to have. So our education and our upbringing in this world is not a balanced upbringing. We were aimed in a particular direction yes. by our society so yeah. that we could be useful to it. So it's important to start a question, start to question that society and unwind a lot of that programming that, that we had early on so we can start to figure out the things that actually matter to us or don't matter to us in this life yeah and it brings us back to the full circle full circle right like the actions that are being taken to control us are not something that we can control right yeah. but our reaction to it because i think this is this is the kind of small change people need to make because i feel like a lot of people are recognizing issues and saying okay this doesn't make sense to me but then they're not taking the next step, which is taking, absorbing it and reacting to it in a way that fixes it for you internally. I think a lot of people spend a lot of time complaining about the issues that exist, but not figuring out how they can hack it or how they can fix it for themselves and their family and the people that they care about. I just think that a lot of people spend a lot of time being frustrated 
And yeah. that's, that's because they're not, not reacting properly to what's going on. A hundred percent, man, a hundred percent. And it's like, you see in today's society, there's just so much noise around things that happen. There's noise that people want to feel persecuted at yeah. times, right? The yeah. victim mentality feels good because it gives you a reason to blame the things you haven't been able to achieve yet on that or yeah. any sort of shortcoming on, on something that. external. Yeah. yeah. But it's like things, those things were going to happen anyway. You know, it's not like you had any influence. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot about like the social justice posts that are happening. Obviously, a lot are happening in recent recent times with what's happening in the Middle East. But um, over the last couple of years, we've had a, a crazy stream of just huge, huge movements in social justice, which, you know, it's, it's been great to learn about what every single group of people cares about. But I unfortunately see a segment of people putting their entire emotion and soul into screaming into the internet and trying to bring yep. people down. And it's not, not that useful. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, do, it hasn't led us anywhere. It's not leading yeah. us anywhere. We have to figure out a new way to address these problems. And that goes back to having real conversations. Yeah. And I think also we get in this phase where I think we also have this habit of every four years kind of looking for a hero versus mm -hmm. somebody and actually understanding. And that's why I even put, and we didn't talk about it, but Biden pulling the, um, the student, the student, student loan forgiveness from the budget. He campaigned on that. Yeah. He campaigned on it and built a whole storyline around it. People voted. A lot of people voted for him specifically because of that. And now he just takes it out. I and mean, that's, this is that's, that's, the same thing we said back then, man. Yep. It's like he is not going to solve your problems. None of these guys are. They care about themselves. They want to make sure it looks and gives the appearance that they care about you. But at the end of the day, they care about power and they care about themselves. So don't react to that emotionally, though. And that's what you're saying, Partha. It's like so many people get pissed off about that and say, fuck politics. I say fuck politics, but it's different. It's I don't want to emotionally invest in that because it's a zero sum game. It's a zero. Nobody is going to make you content or happy. You have much more control over what you do day to day, the stuff that's going around you, how you react to it and how you move forward than sitting and waiting and getting so worked up around a political election, you know, yeah. the best thing that we could all do is the next presidential election. None of us fucking vote and say, we're going to hold you guys to a higher degree of accountability. If you want this position of power. Yeah. You know what, man? Like the hours everyone spends every day shouting into the void. It's like, yep. you could be learning a new skill. You could be getting mentored. You could be spending time by yourself. You could be watching TV. You could be smoking weed. You could do whatever the heck you want. But there's a, a hell of a lot of ways to use it that pay yourself back as opposed to throwing your energy out and not receiving anything for it other than yep. validation on social media. Yep. And just to give this whole conversation context, um, we do understand, too, that there is 
intergenerational trauma and things that certain people are dealing with that isn't their fault, right? There are certain things that you born into and traumas that you have, but your response, you have two choices. One, to sink into that or to rise above it. No one is going to care if you don't rise above it. Yeah. The only person that's going to be impacted is you. You know, I so there that, is that. That's a powerful statement right there because today, this is crazy you say that. This morning, what I was listening to is a speech on how this a lot of this generation likes to blame intergenerational trauma. Oh, I'm like this because my parents were like this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, psychologically, these things are true. But what, what now? You know, how are you, are you improving? Are you getting better? Like when you victimize yourself and give someone else the power, you've totally given up the ability to change. But when you look at a circumstance and it's like, okay, this is the influence I was given, it's almost like, great, you have now the choice to not do that. Right. Like I noticed this with like girls that I've dated is like the type of person that I've gone after personality wise or kind of, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's been kind of the same type of girl I've gone after for a while. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I could easily take a victim mentality and be upset at my parents for whatever. Right. Yep. And yep. say, Oh, cause of how they interact or how my mom treated me, whatever ties and Freudian stuff together and say, this is why I date girls like this. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've said this for you to you for sure. Personally, yeah. I understand the logical reasons why my brain is wired how it is, but I also understand I have the free choice to say, okay, fuck that. That's not me. Yeah. And, and that's true. That's, that's the hundred percent cold hard truth. And it just goes back to, that's why when I saw the, the line for the deep dive, I just think it's perfect. It's so simple. It's right. Like we cannot, it's not just actions. We cannot control circumstances and we 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 have a certain degree over of control over our actions, but too many people take actions through an emotional lens. So that creates that creates need to react, right? And so that's why everything happens up to the point of action. So every time an action is taken or a circumstance happens to you, the only thing that you can control is how do I best react to this so that it leads to pro productivity in my life and not this feeling of enslavement, complacency, and helplessness that I feel like is rampant in America right now. Yeah, that's a powerful word, Helpness, helplessness. Yeah. If I could say it right, it'd be more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this was a good one, man. Yeah, one. seriously. Well, to everybody out there, hopefully this helps. This helps you kind of just get some stability on a Thursday, you know, day after the blood moon, the super flower going in, moon. going into the Memorial Day weekend. Yes, definitely <laughs> take responsible actions on the weekend and, and yeah. be safe out there. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> maybe slightly irresponsible, but within yeah, within controlled environments, you can yeah. be irresponsible. That's the yeah. key. Yeah, control your environment if you're going to act irresponsibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As always, guys, stay moving. And uh, this is the Pilot Boys. You got to remember, always be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys, out. Pilot Boys, we get on up. We don't fly, boys, we get up.
Bon 